0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com.
1: Colts down by three, 38 to 35. Brissett out of the gun, four receivers into the game. Looks right, throws in, it's ball batted it down, and it's picked up by Brissett. Now he's gonna throw it left side to Jack Doyle, but they're gonna say that's an incomplete pass on the shovel to Doyle. Now a flag is down, we got extracurriculars on the far sideline. At the moment, that's an incomplete pass. Colts dropped their third straight game, and they have now lost five of their last six to move under 500 at 6-7 on the season, and the Colts have a losing record for the first time, first time since week one when they were 0-1, and the playoff hopes for the Colts are now basically hanging on by a thread. Colts are now 9-6 all time against the Buccaneers, but they have lost their last two games played here at Raymond James Stadium, and they fall 38-35. Another fourth quarter collapse
0: from five and two to six and seven. And now everyone wants to talk 2020 draft. That is where we are at right now with three weeks to go in the regular season. I'm Kevin Bowen back. Another edition of Kevin's corner, Joey Molinaro across the way. And that um, this team can't close. This team uh, has no killer instinct. This team will be starting their all season vacations before January 1 and to me if you would have told me that like again if you had told me at five and two with three games go in the regular season I would be saying that I would have been shocked I, I I still was skeptical at five and two of this team you know a being a legit playoff contender B even definitely making the playoffs but I mean this team is virtually out of the playoffs and there's still three more games to go
2: we're finding that in 2019 uh shocking is the new norm. Uh, with this team, you know, whether and it started very early on and throughout the year, it's it's kind of just carried that theme.
0: Yeah, it really has. The guys on the side of the building. Um, <laughs> what a wild story for all of them this year. We'll get into the Adam Vinatieri injured reserve news that broke just before the start of this podcast. But um, but let's focus on, on on Bucks to start, Joey. And these historical stats that we're seeing from the Colts this year, they like always end up on the wrong side of them. Scott Kasmer, who I think I've mentioned before, he's a kind of NFL analytics guy on Twitter. He tweeted out this stat earlier today. Since 1940, okay, 1940, Mm -hmm. teams in the NFL are three, 618, and one. That's three wins, 618 losses, one tie when they... Allow 35 points, turn the ball over four times, and force one or fewer takeaways. The Bucs just became the fourth team to win such a game. Again, it's shocking is the new norm. Like, these historical numbers, and we saw it a few weeks ago. Remember in Houston, the Colts, like, they rushed for 175. They win the turnover margin by two. Yeah. And they're the first team in the NFL to do that and lose in the last two games. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's... <laughs> These just – like NFL films gone bad sort of statistical figures that they will tell about the 2019 Colts. Sure. Um, You know, you win the turnover margin by three. You do it on the road. You score at least 35 points. You're supposed to win those football games. And one of those turnovers directly converted into (laughs) into six. Darius Leonard still huffing and puffing from that pick six. Yeah. you know, I guess some fans might be happy, honestly. I I'm, I honestly think there's a chunk of our fan base uh, l- listenership to Kevin's Corner that's probably like, hey, they gave me entertainment, and they still lost. I'm, I'm good, and obviously there's a chunk that is like, this is so bleeping frustrating because it's another one-score game, mm-hmm. tremendous opportunity to win on the road. Y- you had some things going in your way in the 1 o'clock slate of games, And yet, here you are on the brink of playoff elimination, and while you've had injuries, look no further than your Pittsburgh Steelers, who are incredibly beat up on the offensive side of the ball, on their fourth-string quarterback, and yet they continually find ways to win games when the season matters the most. And the Colts continue to find ways to fail and to lose, squander leads for a third straight game, and really this dates back to even the Pittsburgh and Miami stretch earlier in the year. I mean, when you when you think about it, the last three weeks, 17 unanswered by Tampa Bay to end the game, 24 unanswered by the Titans to end the game, 10 unanswered by the Texans to end the game. And you can point to obviously stuff earlier in games where you had chances to step on those teams' throats and you didn't do it. Um, yeah, and now you need, I mean... I, like, fans, even though I always cautioned people on this podcast all year long, even when the Colts are 5-2 and, and winning all those one-possession games, I was like, I'm not ready to change my win total. I'm sorry. I know some of you might be like, oh, my God, you are, you, you hate the Colts. I'm like, no, I, I, I'm looking at what I'm seeing right now, and I don't mm-hmm. think I see a playoff team or a definite playoff team. And water has found its level more so than what we saw even earlier in the year. And I think what is also extremely, extremely frustrating, coming into yesterday and playing the the five and seven bucks at the time isn't going to improve this, you face the 29th easiest schedule in the league so far. The Colts have had a really favorable schedule. Yeah. And so I think when you factor all those things, you see how Pittsburgh's overcome injuries. You see Houston without J.J. Watt, and even though they got shellacked, you still think they could be in the in the playoffs as well. Sure. Here are the Colts, and their season could very well come to an end a week a week from tonight, with still two more games to go. And I think that's what again has so many fans just uh, just irate for lack of a better term with their football team. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, these
2: (laughs) I tweeted about it yesterday. You know, it was like a magic trick almost. Of I would I would move for what seemed like two minutes, and then all of a sudden the Colts are losing. Yeah, and I have. I I don't even know how it happened, but it just happened. It, it was really really odd.
0: The NFL was drunk yesterday in general. Yeah, and and the Colts might have been the Colts Bucks might have been the drunkest game. Well, For sure, Saints Forty Nine ers probably was, but Whoa. I mean Colts Colts yeah. Bucks was not not too far behind. It. All right, man. Per usual with a
2: loss, we'll start with things that you didn't like, and. I mean this this is bordering on things that you hate. I mean the, the past defense yesterday, what in the hell was going on with that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was uh that was Big 12 football. Oh. That was that was a Big 12 defense. I was watching Texas Tech Oklahoma State uh with you know Cliff Kingsbury maybe being the quarterback honestly at at Texas Tech. I mean that was uh that that was awful. Just absolutely awful. It was reminiscent of last year. You know, early last year when the zone defense just getting shredded. We haven't seen that in a while. Shredded to that that degree. I mean, hell, if Jameis Winston has you know, uh, if he comes out for that third quarter drive, maybe he throws for 500. I mean, to have a career day by Winston um, you know, I thought when Mike Evans went down I thought to me, I was thinking to myself, okay this is where the Colts might go a little bit of a uh, little bit of um, more, more man coverage. Mm -hmm. I thought that was an opportunity similar to Kansas City earlier in the year where there's no Tyreek Hill, and then you have Sammy Watkins go down in the first series as well. That's when the Colts went heavy, heavy man against the Chiefs, and I felt like there was an opportunity to do that. Um, I forgot to ask for Twitter questions, so I need to uh, tweet that out. Um, I thought that was a great opportunity to use use more of the evolving coverage that the Colts have shown here in year two under Matt Eberflus. And, you know, when we say the zone coverage, Joey, that doesn't obviously absolve the pass rush either. Uh I believe the Buccaneers have given up multiple sacks in every game this season but one. Winston dropped back 50-some times. You had one sack. One sack. And that was when Justin Houston takes advantage of a backup left tackle. And you just way too much yards after coverage. And, and, you know, you couldn't affect the quarterback. And, boy, Pierre Seer and Malik Hooker, man, and Roland Milligan in the slot. Just, ugh. Um,
2: I felt like whenever Jameis wasn't throwing it directly to yes. Darius Leonard, yep. every t- there was nobody within, like, 12 yards of the receivers he was throwing it to. Dude,
0: it was, it was feast or famine. Either you had the picks— like Jameis Winston didn't have many incompletions yesterday. I mean, no. I mean, some of those. Some of those. It was a very Jameis line. Oh, that summed up Jameis Winston's career in sixty minutes of football for sure, R- right there. Um, so I guess be glad you're on a Bucks fan. But, uh, yeah, it was just when the playmaking wasn't there, and we saw this last week when the playmaking is not there, this defense cannot get off the field and cannot get consistent stops, and. You know, throughout the past month, month and a half year, Chris Ballard, oh, this defense could be special, and Frank Wright calling it elite, and just the numbers were certainly better, but I was just kind of like, look at the quarterbacks, look at these offenses. You know, it's like, let's not crown them just yet. And yesterday was just an abomination of a defensive effort. There were three drives, Joey, where the Colts are leading by Double digits in each of the first three quarters. You're up 10-0 in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. You're up 24-14 in the second quarter. You're up 35-21 in the third quarter. Three golden opportunities that if your defense can get a stop, force a punt, force a field goal, you still maintain a lead. You can build on that. You can continue to play from ahead. And now you make a Tampa Bay team that is also on the verge of playoff extinction second-guess themselves, and realize, oh, God, Mike Evans isn't out there. There's no way we can come back. Every single time, all three of those drives, 75 or 80-yard touchdowns. Yep. Just, just. uh, yeah, I mean. And it kind of, when I was watching it yesterday, at least for
2: me, it had that feeling of almost an expectation of like, oh, here they are. They have the lead. They have a double-digit lead. When is it going to break down? When, you know what I mean? When, when are they going to let him back in it? Uh, and I don't know if Colts fans f- feel that way right now, but as somebody who's just following him, who covers him, I'm, I'm kind of having that that feeling of just like, are they going to hold on to it? Because they haven't they haven't shown it recently.
0: You know, it, it was weird, Joey. I felt like the only way the Colts were going to win that game in the fourth quarter was if Winston committed one more turnover. Yep. No faith in the offense and no faith in the defense unless Winston throws it to you. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that was it. That is like all I kind of felt like was the only reason, only way they were going to be able to 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 finish that off. And you know, early in the game, you have the playmaking, the defense is doing exactly what it does it needs to do. But then I'm sitting there thinking to myself, and I remember writing this down. I'm like, okay, can you deliver in the second half? And outside of that one ball thrown behind whoever it was, Godwin or Watson that went to uh, went to Hooker, you just didn't do it. Yep. And if we're gonna say, you can't call the Colts a top ten defense when you don't finish off those sorts of games, mm-hmm. and that was just a, that was a terrible, terrible defensive performance, which is shocking to say when you force four, uh, four turnovers.
2: We've talked about it a lot already, but finishing. I mean, that has got to be another thing, top of the list that you, you didn't like.
0: Yeah, and it, you know th- th- this goes to every facet. You know, yeah. obviously, I just hammered home what the defense did in the fourth quarter, but the Chase McLaughlin miss field goal. Um, you know, if you would have signed up for a Chase McLaughlin day, of 5 of 6, Joey, one miss from 47, a make from 50, I think you would have signed up for it. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, Chase McLaughlin kicking with Adam Vinatieri on the sideline. Did you see Adam Vinatieri's sunglasses?
2: I didn't. Every time they showed him, he just looked incredibly sad. Yeah.
0: It's almost like he knew this news was coming. Mm. Um, but I mean, the greatest kicker of all times on the sidelines, and I'm a 23-year-old undrafted kicker, I'm, that's... That's nerve wracking to me, man. Yeah. And I be perfect on the extra points. And not to get too like deep into kicker technicalities, but like the ball just looked better coming off his sounded foot. better. Yeah. yeah. Sounded better, looked better. It's
2: like when you're golfing, you know, right? Spot coming on. The- look look at you with the golf references. I know you really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, that was good. Thank you for that. Um so yeah, you had the forty seven yard miss from McLaughlin. You had the Heinz fumble. How big was the Heinz fumble?
2: I know. Yeah, that, that kinda I feel like oh. under the radar a little bit, but that was huge.
0: Huge play. And then in general, the offense just just can't finish. Just absolutely cannot finish. Um, You had 14 plays in the fourth quarter offensively. Two first downs. One of those was the clothesline P.I. by homeboy Marcus Johnson. And, Joey, I found myself, okay, Bucks score. Breland scores the, uh, or not Breland. I was thinking of um, the Kansas City corner. Uh Brashard Pierman scores on Quincy Wilson. Take the lead. Tampa's up 38-35. You know, I say to myself, all right, here you go, Jacoby. Another chance. Another opportunity that quarterbacks salivate for. They love. That is their moment where you know they're going to commercial break. You can gather your offense up. Here you go. Down three. 80-yard drive. What do you got? Show me something. Yep. That drive gets one first down. Frank Reich said after the game. We knew in a critical moment we get man coverage across the board. You get man coverage on third and two. You get man coverage on fourth and two. Incomplete, and I guess you call it complete, the last pass. I don't even know how that went down in the scorebook. But third and two, Jack Doyle wins man coverage. You can't miss that. You just, you just cannot miss that. We'll get into Jacoby and, and things I like, because there were some things that I definitely liked. But, Joey, it's why... I went back to the fourth down stats on Thursday's podcast, or excuse me, the fourth quarter stats Mm -hmm. on last Thursday's podcast. When that quarter period arises, Jacoby Brissett becomes a backup quarterback. That is the numbers are point blank and blatantly obvious. In the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter numbers are pretty good. What do we see from on Sunday? We saw pretty good Jacoby early in that game. Yes, his numbers weren't, like, unbelievable. He was 6 of 16 at halftime, but he took chances. You know, did some things that we hadn't seen him do early in games. And when you throw the ball deep, holy shit, good things can happen. And then in the fourth quarter, the inaccuracy. The 5 of 9 for 30 yards. The offense not being able to move the football. It's just far too often this season the norm for the Colts when the offense takes over down in a game in the fourth quarter zero points come of it yep zero points come of it and it happened again um so yeah finishing can can be there can be blame assessed on so many different levels Joey I even thro- throw some of the blame on this offensive line this is supposed to be an elite unit and another thing that probably frustrates fans too is You've been healthy for 13 games, the same starting offensive line for 13 games. If you told me that back in September, I would have said the Colts are a playoff team. Mm-hmm. That alone would have made the difference for me because I, I think I settled on 8-8. Eight and eight. I think that was my final record. Yep. I was in between 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. But if you tell me the offensive line stays that healthy, and when it's strength versus strength, the Bucks' second-ranked rush defense, your fourth-ranked rushing offense— and your running backs average 2.2 per carry. 40 yards on 18 carries for your running backs. Mm. You know, fourth quarter of games, that's where you rely on your O-line. Right. Like, You're wearing the defense down. You know, to finish them. All that stuff yeah. coaches are yelling on the sidelines. And third and two, fourth and two, I think you are in shotgun both plays. I, I don't think you were under – I mean, you didn't have really a threat to run there. Um, boy, this team can't finish, and, and they finished last year. Good teams finish. Playoff teams finish. Yep, Colts aren't, aren't aren't a playoff team. You're right about that. At the moment, six and seven, we
2: all know that. But let's get into some things that you did like from yesterday, and you mentioned it. While the defense couldn't finish, again, we saw some early playmaking that was nice.
0: Yes, um, the defensive playmaking early on, Joey has to be noted, and again, it's similar to what we saw last week, that unit has stepped up in that part of the game, which is needed right now because your offense cannot produce points on their own. You, I mean, you had, I think, 17 points off turnovers yesterday. You you mentioned it. Seven points directly off the Leonard pick six. So, while the defense was extremely poor, extremely poor yesterday... We've got to note the playmaking, and honestly, individually, I just I want to note Darius Leonard. We'll talk more about the Pro Bowl later this week. He should be a Pro Bowler, without a doubt. I don't care if he's missed three games. What I loved about the second pick, Joey, was he shows blitz, knows full well that he's been an effective blitzer lately. Jameis Winston probably thinks he's coming. Boom. Drops back into coverage, makes a great interception, and then turns it into points. You know your guy, Mika Fitzpatrick, has done it so often this year. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh found points yesterday via special teams. Like you've got to create points elsewhere because your offense just ain't good enough. Yep, just point blank. They, they they just they just are not good enough right now. And Leonard did that, so to me, he needs to be back in the Pro Bowl. I think back at All-Pro, not as big of a slam dunk last year as All-Pro, but the playmaking has really stepped up late that I feel like it kind of made up for some of the missed games, inconsistency yeah. he had earlier in the season. And I, I, I kind of found it fitting he had that sort of game in Derrick Brooks' home stadium. I was about to say, yeah. You know, because that's the often comparison we hear in the 4-3, Will linebacker, and not to mention I, I'm almost positive that second pick came on the series in the down and distance series in which the Colts um, had the intentional grounding, which Leonard forced. That put Tampa behind the chains. Now you're into a third and 10, and boom, there is the big play from Darius Leonard. So I, I don't want to touch on it very long, Joey, but the defense does deserve a nice pat on the back for the playmaking before you absolutely shred them for what they did the rest of the game.
2: And you'll give a nice little pat on the back to Jacoby Brissett for his improvisation skills.
0: Yes, exactly. Taking chances down the field, subtle movements in the pocket, all of those things. I tweeted out probably right around halftime, maybe even early third quarter, whenever he delivered that third and 12 ball to Pascal when he hung in the pocket, crossing route, and then he later throws the beautiful touch on the Pascal touchdown, I was like, the numbers aren't going to be like... 30 of 38 for 380 and three touchdowns like some just unbelievable career game. But I was like, man, Jacoby Brissett's playing some big boy football today. There's been about five or six plays where it didn't look good. I mean, some of the deep balls to Johnson, it wasn't just obvious plays down the field. He's, again, avoiding a little bit of a rush, stepping up, and taking a chance to throw the ball vertically. Mm -hmm. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Good play. Things happen when you throw it deep. Johnson had the two big plays. You get the 45-yard pass. I mean, hell, the deep ball to Johnson in the first half, that was a Hail Mary. Johnson pulls it down and boom, you're in field goal range. So was it all great from Jacoby Brissett yesterday? No, and I pointed out the big area of the game and, and a further explanation to me of why he should not be this team's franchise quarterback for the next five to 10 years. Having said that, what well, we saw early in that game was was good football from Jacoby Brissett. So I want to make sure that, that, that we mention that um, it was the 31st-ranked pass defense. So there should have been playmaking in that game. There should have been more consistent playmaking because we saw Miss Doyle late uh, near the goal line. I forget when that was. Late first half or maybe it was second half. And then obviously Miss Doyle on the third and two when he threw it behind him there on the game's final drive. So uh, nothing what I saw yesterday changes my opinion. My opinion stayed the same on Jacoby Brissett for virtually the entire 2019 season. Um, We saw some good early on, and unfortunately we saw the bad show up again in the fourth quarter. A nice thing, a nice little uh, Friday news dump. Not
2: news dump, but it just Positive news dump. Yeah, positive news dump on Friday was uh, Jack
0: Doyle's three-year contract extension. Yeah, that broke... um, hell, pretty close to, I want to say 5 o'clock, yeah. on um, on Friday afternoon. And, you know, congratulations to a great story. Like, you know, I, I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, I, I went to Cathedral High School, graduated the same year as Jack Doyle. Um, full transparency, I mean, I, I've always been a big fan of of Jack, and he strikes me as the same person he is today that he was back at you know the age of 16 or 17 but putting my bias aside right there because you know I do want to make sure we honestly critique and evaluate everyone on this football team this is a great move it's a smart move it's a very cap friendly move and it continues a hell of a story that should be continued here in Indianapolis Jack Doyle provides reliability and unpredictability, which I know sounds odd to say, but the reliability is the trust that Frank Reich and these quarterbacks have in Jack Doyle. I mean, hell, look at Brian Hoyer. Goes in the game against Pittsburgh. Boom. First touchdown, Jack Doyle. And then the unpredictability is the fact that Jack Doyle can play on rundowns, and he can play on pass downs. So you aren't tipping your hand like you were when 85 got in the game. So this is just a it is an awesome, awesome story for an undrafted free agent who barely got a Division One scholarship coming out of high school, has played for his home down team. It's going to be 10 years by the time he reaches the end of that second contract. And he's survived multiple regimes, GM, coaching, vastly different coaching. And here's Chris Ballard handing him two separate three-year contract extensions already, and doing one in season. I think this is the first Ballers handed out in season. I could be wrong. I'm just saying that off the top of my head. But um, just 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 such a cool, cool inspiration, I think, for a lot of people locally and the epitome of what hard work and, and being just a fundamental football player can do, as cheesy as that sounds. And I find it very fitting. And this all happened um, amidst the Eric Ebron drama that we've had over the past week or two. Obviously Ebron a free agent in 2020. Doyle free agent as well. Doyle no longer a free agent. Still draft a tight end. Still, still draft one. Um but yeah, this is this was a no brainer to me.
2: Yeah. They've entered uh get a Jack Doyle jersey territory, you know, like for sure. Because yeah. he'll end his career here, you know, most likely now. For and sure. And so we'll see a lot more eighty four jerseys around. Yeah,
0: twenty nine years old, Jack Doyle will turn thirty in May. Uh, I mean, can you imagine? Telling 16-year-old Jack Doyle, you're going to play 10 years for the Indianapolis Colts. You're going to make, I'm guessing, close to $50 million when it's all said and done, when you add up all his contracts. like, Yeah, not bad. Not freaking bad for mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit Ram Cathedral fighting Irishman. CYO, baby. Love it.
2: Jack Doyle. Then the news that we've been waiting to get to that broke right before we started— Adam going on uh, IR his season over.
0: Yeah. Uh, not shocked at all by this news. Uh, should have been done a lot earlier in the year, Joey. Uh, yeah, I tweeted it out at halftime when Chase McLaughlin was 5 of 5 on his kicks. I was like, oh, this is what happens when you have a sound kicking game. You know, the Colts probably should have uh, explored and acted upon it earlier in the season when they had the opportunity. Um, Vinny's hurt, man. He's been hurt. Like He missed two weeks in August, and I have tried to drive home this point so much over the past three or four months, and I'm sure some of you are so sick and tired of it, but it is a huge storyline. It's a big reason why the Colts will miss the playoffs here in 2019, and it's a big reason why this ending, it, it leaves a sour taste a bit but when a 46 year old football player has an injury to a very important body part, the left knee, the plant leg for him, that is a huge, huge deal. Huge. Donald Trump, huge times 30. Like, how do you not? Act more upon that. How do you think that just inconsistencies are going to happen? Just because you're kicking great in practice doesn't mean that's necessarily going to carry over to a game. Like, ah, man, it's just frustrating because I went back and read an article that I wrote after week one, Joey, and I'm sure I echoed the same thing on this podcast, and it, it ended with the sentence of if these kicking issues happen again, you must make the hard decision, and it—it yeah. it, it was only hard in emotion. That—that's the only hard part about it. It's not a hard decision when you look at performance. And the very next week, I think two extra points missed in mm-hmm. Tennessee. I want to say it was. Yep. That's when the decision should have been made. You had six kickers in your building. You've got to be able to evaluate. It's a fifty-three man roster. You got to evaluate kickers just like you got to evaluate quarterbacks. And it's, it's sad and disappointing that it comes to this. Um, I'd be very, very, very surprised if Adam Vinatieri ever kicked again for the Colts. <sighs> Does he kick again in the NFL?
2: A lot of rumors on Twitter say they could uh, make his way back to New England come full circle.
0: <laughs> That'd be a nice just, you know, uh, knife in the side. Oh, my God god not not even knife in the side knife right in your freaking gut man um does he want 600 field goals like that's a that's a he's i think he 599 i believe is how many field goals he has i think so 598 or 599 um is that a round number that he wants i think he would have to play a lot more to get morton anderson's games record i believe he's still well short of that so you know, I, I tweeted out after we saw that news earlier today, it's a sour end, it's a shame the Colts let it kind of come to this where we saw him fail so much on the field mm-hmm. this season, but let me reiterate as much as I can, it's one of the greatest careers in NFL history. Adam Vinatieri had one of the great had, and I will say had for now, I guess, had one of the greatest careers in NFL history. Just absolutely incredible to have the longevity and the clutch factor that he had and really was a massive reason why the Patriots and Colts had two of the greatest eras you will ever see in NFL history. First bout Hall of Famer. Should be. Hopefully he will be. Chase McLaughlin. You're the kicker the rest of 2020. Excuse me. The rest of 2019. And um, you probably bring in somebody else to compete with Chase next year, but uh, this guy's got a great opportunity to be your kicker for the next X amount of years.
2: You want to do some post-loss blues Twitter questions? Yeah, man.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's do them.
2: All right, Jonathan asks, is it just me or has DeSeer struggled all
0: year quietly? Yeah, yeah, he, he really, well, yeah, I think so. And obviously the injuries of, have been there for him now he, injuries have been a thing for him in his career. I know I think he played every game last year, which, which was kind of a rarity. And you know, how, how big of a need is corner next year? I mean, that's kind of a, something that I feel like, Oh, it shouldn't be a need. The is yeah. under contract for two more years. Rocky Seen, Marvel tell you know, Quincy Wilson. Is he going to be a Colt <laughs> come March? You know, that's a legit sure. question. Obviously Kenny Moore signed the big extension as well, but yeah, I mean, yesterday we saw, you know, clearly Marvell Tell is not an inside corner. He played two snaps, Joey. I mean, Roland Milligan played 50-some snaps because they feel like, you know, he has the better slot traits, and the Colts couldn't slide anyone inside, Rock Rakyasin, or Marvell Tell. So, you know, I, I would I, I would keep Pierre Desir. I don't think he really is owed that much money, but he's got to get healthy, and You can never have too many corners, man, in this league. Yesterday was not good from DeSeer or or, uh, Hooker.
2: No, and that's what Colin asks. He says, your take on Hooker this season. says, Indy's had a lot of blown coverages in the back end. Long term, how do they reconcile, especially to approach a second contract for him?
0: Well, I would would pick up his team option this year. You got to do it, I think, by May. That would be a fifth-year team option, um, which would extend him through 2021. And... Yes, that would be a pretty big payday for him. I think it'd place him in kind of like top five, top ten safeties paid. But I would do that for one year because, you know, while George Odom has showed a flash or two, I feel like if you see George Odom for 100% of the snaps, you're probably going to see some inconsistency, inconsistency there as well. Obviously, you think Gethers is gone, Kari Willis is in. It's not like you have anyone else at safety. So um, next year will be a v- massive massive year from for Malik Hooker and evaluating him for what that second contract should or will look like but um yeah yeah I mean some of the big plays against Houston Joey some of the big plays yesterday like I know you're starting to move him around and it's not all his fault but we gave him a lot of praise last year when you were limiting big plays so I think you have to note him as some of the reasoning why you haven't been able as of late to stop some of those big plays Brian says, out of the five and two start, how many of those were the Colts aided by
2: penalties on the deciding scoring drive? Seems like the other teams aren't beating themselves anymore.
0: Yeah, a lot. I mean, remember that stat we kept on throwing out there early in the season? You know, the Colts were opponents that committed the most penalties and the most penalty yardage mm-hmm. against the Colts of any team in the NFL. How about yesterday? Bucks had 104 penalty yards. Yep. Colts had 35.
2: Very Bucks like
0: have 69 yards more in penalties than your opponent you're plus three in the turnover and you lose the game I and mean, we could go on and on about some of these stats and that was a reason why i was kind of like early in the year all these close games you didn't see a, a just a dominant effort out of the colts the factored in the penalties it was kind of like all right luck is gonna start kind of going against the colts eventually and Now here you are at six and seven, man.
2: From Aaron, has there been enough evidence now to say Brissette does not have that piece to come through at quote winning time? I was not hopeful in the fourth when the Colts went down, based on past history. That said, Darius was great, but the defense
0: was horrible. Yeah, I mean, what are we? What thirty some starts into Jacoby Brissette's career? You know that this was a trend we saw back in twenty seventeen as well, Mm -hmm. and. I'll re- reiterate what I said earlier. You know, Joey, it'd be one thing of like, oh, you know, there, there, there's so many injuries. Like, that's why he's not producing at a high level. Well, why are you producing how you are in the first and second quarters and even in the third quarter, but you're not doing it in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and not even coming close? I mean, these numbers, I'll, I'll take a deeper dive into an article um, uh, on seven five fan.com this week on it but like that I think is what is really alarming it'd be one thing if you just he's great with Tio Hilton in the lineup he's not great with Tio Hilton in the lineup but when you show some signs but you all of a sudden when the fourth quarter comes around and you just can't produce at all that to me is a big time issue considering that's one of the traits that I and I think many people evaluate elite quarterbacks on and um, it was a trend we saw in 2017, and it's a trend again here this season as well.
2: Chris asks, don't you think it's now better for the Colts to go 6-10 and 10 than, say, 8-8? Eight and eight? We need a better draft position for the future. Third season is pretty much over. Their season is pretty much over.
0: What are you like, Joey? Are you, like, I guess the Steelers have never, ever really been, like, out of it, out of it. Some years, you know, a couple they have, but... Do you go full tank mode late in the season as a fan, or do you still want wins?
2: Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, it's it's a win, you know. I, Cause I totally see both sides of it. I think in this situation, though, even as a fan, you have to, like I talked about last week, want either sink sink or swim. They and i I'm with you. No, on that. They either needed to go ten and six, yeah, or they need to be seven and nine or six and ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just, just because of, okay, then you have your answer at quarterback. Now you at least have some direction of
0: that's not it. We can figure out the future now, but if it's just a eight, then it's like, what are we doing? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, don't even think he's asking that here. I think he's asking it more like draft related sure. you know, tanker, but, but you, you, you bring up a great point on, you're starting to get more of a definitive answer, at least in my opinion, on Jacoby Brissett. Um, I will never, never fault fans for cheering for wins. Like, there's only 16 games in an exactly. NFL season. You want to win. If yeah. you're a season ticket holder, you want to watch your team win. I, I I, get that. Now, my argument, of course, is like, oh, I'm an already football fan. I always cheer for wins. Well, of course I do because, like, you have the recruiting element that plays into it. The recruiting element in the NFL isn't there at all. And, you know, obviously everything is dictated by by draft order. So, I also clearly see the fans that want the Colts to lose their last three games. Like, I see both sides of it, and, you know, if you're going to ask somebody, like, deep down, if you're going to be like, you missed the playoffs by a game, you were officially eliminated in Week 16, but you finished 8-8, eight and eight, and you're drafting 18 overall, versus, hey, you went 6-10, and 10, you're going to draft 10 overall. I mean, did the two wins really mean that much to you? Like, I, I again, I see, I really see both sides of it. Um, If you care about the long-term future of this football team, and that's your only priority, you should be sharing for losses. That, that's that's what you should be doing.
2: I just, for the, the sake of the discussion, looked up the latest mock draft. Yeah. Posted two days ago on Cbsports.com Round one, pick 17, Indianapolis Colts selecting Justin Herbert. Mm. Uh, so again, mm. this is this is 4 months out, 5 months out whatever it is, uh, yeah. everything will change, but just in terms of the right now and I, that that pick would change now I think now being they'd be even higher up than pick 17. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um but I was trying to look Kevin for teams that potentially either drafted a quarterback last year or 2 years ago that's still kind of in on them that if you were up at the 11th pick you would trade up. They would still be enticed to, you know, move from the 4th mm-hmm. pick down to the 11th pick and right. you know what I mean? Um but I'm not really saying, I'm
0: not I guess the Giants maybe. Yeah, uh, I mean you would th- you would think the Giants um
1: I mean Cardinals
0: Cle- Cleveland Cleveland's going to be kind of around you as well. Yeah. Uh well does Cleveland have a first round pick? Probably not cuz Odell, right? Yeah. Um Yeah, obviously I'd have to take a deeper dive into it, but how about the Jets? You know, the, right. Yep. The, yeah. The, yep. You know, the Jets got Darnold. So keep rooting for them to lose. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's a big storyline. I mean, think on draft night, Joey, when you're like, man, if we were just a few slots higher, I mean, <laughs> a few slots higher means like a third round draft pick. Right. So when you talk about it right now, for some fans, it's a no brainer. Hell yeah, you want to lose out. And other fans would be like, screw that. I want to watch my team win. So. Again, it, it, if you're really going off the long-term look, you probably want what you got yesterday, a really entertaining football mm-hmm. game that ended in a loss.
2: All right, from Matt. He says, Pagano took a lot of blame for close losses in 2017 with Brissette at quarterback. Quote, Pagano can't finish off wins, we said. Now, six close losses in 2019 with Brissette at the quarterback. Do we owe Chuck an apology?
0: Um, I, I will not apologize because – the personnel groupings and how the Colts finished those games was just, you know, it was Colleen Bowen coaching, man. It was just uh, it was just a sorry, sorry effort. Colleen Bowen coached the 7th grade, 8th grade girls basketball team in Rushville back in the day. I don't think they won a game. It was one of those blizzard winners, so luckily they didn't play many games. Mm. But, yeah, um, good effort, though. Jerseys look good. Everything, she was good with that. That's good. But yeah, I mean, twenty seventeen, what was it? Oh, every time the Colts come out in three receiver personnel, they pass the football. I mean, it was just horrid the deeper yeah. analytic dives into the twenty seventeen Colts. You knew what was coming. Yeah. So No, I will not sit here and say, you know, Chuck deserves more of a more of an apology. Um Just because Jacoby's doing it again this year. And it's more on other units, too, this year. I don't think it's so much on Jacoby, like, squarely. I feel like in 2017, it was really just kind of squarely on the offense. And this year, you've had just the the constant kicking issues. And lately, we've seen the defense fall apart late as well. Let's see. This is from Jeff. He says, hey, KB, looks like we'll be drafting around 17, like I
2: just mentioned. What do you think it would cost for the Colts to grab the number one pick and take Joe Burrow? I know they won't, just a hypothetical. with two firsts in that second round from the Redskins get it done?
0: Joe Burrow's damn good. Love Joe Burrow. Dude, I didn't realize. I mean, he he's a lot more athletic. Yeah. I, and, I, and that's not just like, stereotypical white guy quarterback. No, like, he's a well-built dude, yep. and I just didn't think he was a great scrambler. And you watch him move in that SEC title game, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow. Um... Alright, so he wants to move from fifteen to one or seventeen to one. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. All right, let me pull up what the Eagles did. Cause didn't the Eagles move up kind of from a similar spot to uh
2: number two to get
0: points. Yeah. What draft was that? Was that twenty sixteen? Twenty sixteen, I believe they traded with Cleveland. Cleveland yeah. and then the Rams also moved up with um with golf. All right, so Philly moved All right, so Tennessee moved back from 1 to 15. So the so the Rams moved up from 15 to 1. So that's that's similar, okay? The Rams traded 15, 43, 45, 76 and their 1st and 3rd in 2017. Mm. They got 1, 113 and 177. So let's throw out the third-round pick they gave up in 2017 and the fourth-round pick that they got. Let's throw out that last six-round pick. You're pretty much giving up a first two seconds and a third. Yeah. A first two seconds and a third. That's a lot, man. I don't know if i do that. A, I don't know. Yeah, yeah a lot that's, to leverage that's, there. That's a whole, whole lot of draft capital.
2: Um, I mean, they have to be absolutely oh, in love be with the guy.
0: The thing is, though, Joey, yes, you are right. And if you are in love with a guy, you do everything you can to get that guy. Wow. Now, maybe you're really in love with someone else. And you know, you're know you going to exhaust less amount of package. To go up and, and and get that quarterback, and who knows if you go six and ten or seven and nine, you're in that mid teen range. And yep. if you look at the early quarterback mocks, I mean, though, that area is kind of the area where maybe Herbert, maybe Tua with the injury issue, is that too high for Jordan Love? You know, where's From and Eason and what other quarterbacks that I'm that I'm forgetting about right now? Uh, you know, right now besides Joe Bur, and this one that I'm looking at, CBS Sports. Joe Burrow and
2: Justin Herbert are the only two that are listed in the top
0: twenty of quarterbacks.
2: Sure. Um, again, that's so there without two.
0: We don't know, but yeah. So there seems to be this drop. Burrow at one, and then the next quarterback goes like mid first round. So sure. maybe you don't need to move up too right. much. Um, I would probably not mortgage that for Burrow. I I don't know if he's that good. <laughs> I think he's good, but I would trust my scouting department and Frank Reich's ability to develop and probably try and hit on somebody else. Wow. They
2: have Bryson Hopkins from Purdue going 21st. Dude, I've seen Cowboys. that a
0: lot. I don't, is he that good?
2: Uh, I mean, he's just, you know, huge body, could be a basketball player, super I'm a athletic. Son of an
0: NFL player. Yeah,
2: matchup matchup problem. All right, uh, let's go Jeff. No, Matt, Mike. Mike. Mike wants to have some fun with hypotheticals, and I love this. He all says, right. rank these five quarterbacks in likeliness to be the Colts' day one starter next season. Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, Jacoby Brissett, a rookie, Cam Newton.
0: That's a list. Yeah. Boy, that's got offseason hypothetical screaming all over mm-hmm. it. All right, give, give me one by one. Drew Brees. Uh, 2%. Is he a free agent next year? What? I think so. I mean, isn't it New Orleans are or bust? Right. I,
2: mean, I don't really see him uprooting all that. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I,
0: Teddy I, Bridgewater, uh, ten percent. I'm of the thinking like draft, draft. Okay. I, I I'm not like I'm not in the retread mode. Yeah. With Teddy Bridgewater, Jacoby. Week one starter. Yep. Uh, fifty five percent, sixty percent.
2: Uh, rookie quarterback? Um,
0: 30. 30%. Yes, that's, that's
2: 12, 42. Cam Look, Newton.
0: Am I close to? Oh, gosh. Well, Cam, I think it's like two as well. So I guess I should bump up rookie. And
2: He also said throw in luck know? if you want to.
0: Uh, luck, uh, I'll go five. All
2: right, except so finish.
0: I mean, if you're Ballard, you got to make the call, right? Yep. You make the call, you say, How's Lucy doing? You guys can sleep, you know? How's
2: oh making the call to Luck?
0: Oh yeah, you gotta make it. Checking in, right? I don't. Huge. Obviously,
2: you know way. How's
0: Lucy? How's Nicole? How's the house painter's coming over? We good? We good? Okay, and that's it. Luck's got to say to you, at the end of that call, I want to come back. How's how is that relationship though? Like, I think it's good. I I think it's uh, I think it was um. You probably don't want to talk to him very much afterwards. But then you've watched your team operate this year and you're like, "Wait, we won 9 to 10 last year with that other guy under center to close out the season and we've lost 5 of 6 with that other guy under center." You know? Okay. You make it, but you need him to say, "I want to be back." Got the edge. "I want to be back, right. better than ever." I'm sorry I I I I should have never left you.
2: Making the call. When is that call being made? Uh, after I, the season, uh,
0: December thirtieth. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. I,
2: I got to do it early. From Drew. How much turnover should we expect in the coaching staff? Someone's seat has to be getting hot after this loss. Ursay was so mad he didn't say a word to the media. My guess is Eberflus, <laughs> but I'm not sure about Sirianni since Reich is the guy calling the plays.
0: Yeah, no, I don't. I'm not gonna make too much out of Jim Ursay not talking after a game. He's not Jerry Jones. It's not like he talks after every game. Um. Who's the scapegoat on the coaching staff? No one jumps out at, like, right, right. I mean, Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe Bubba Ventrone, but uh, the Colts have been good in a lot of other special teams there. Hey, I like what our guy's doing back there uh, doing punts. Hines. Hines has shown a little burst.
2: Come a long way since last August.
0: You know, I tweeted out last uh, yesterday, he doesn't have the explosive playmaking on offense. And what I mean by that is, look at his numbers. His long rush is like twelve yards this season. His long catch is eighteen. Hines will be the first one to tell you he's like, I need more explosive plays. Yeah. But then you watch him on punt returns, you're like, you know it's there. Just, man, you just want to see him give you that thirty or forty yarder as a backer in the receiving game. Right. Um, all right, I've gotten way away from what I was going to answer. What was the question again?
2: How much turnover do we
0: expect on coaching, uh, coaching staff? staff. Dude. I don't expect anything, really, of significant. I mean, I mean, maybe here or there, he loves Chris Strausser. I can't really see that. Maybe Ventrone. Sirianni and Iberflus aren't going anywhere, right?
2: I mean, Iberflus definitely uh, <laughs> not getting any head coaching uh,
0: interviews. after Right, that. but it's not like it's fallen off. Like It hasn't fallen off in the eyes. I mean, listen to Ballard and Reich talk a couple weeks ago, Joey. This defense has a chance to be special. It's legit. It's a... They aren't going to can the guy, you know, three weeks later. Yeah. I, I'd be very surprised if they made a move at coordinator outside of special teams. All
2: right, from J.J. Marie, how do you grade Chris Ballard and his build from within philosophy? 2017, 4-12. 2018, 10-6. Six. 2019, 6-7. Six Total, 20 wins, 24 losses. Harley Hall of Fame numbers. How many game changers
0: has he required?
2: Should he be on the hot seat?
0: No. No, he he shouldn't be on the hot seat, but um you know, those in the Ryan Grigson camp will say 11 and 5 each of the first 3 years and mm-hmm. 16 straight divisional wins and For sure. I I like how he has built a large large portion of this roster. Um I disagree with several moves that he made. I mean I mean how this is this couldn't be more of the recently Move, but like does Deion Kane make a play for Pittsburgh every week? So far, yeah. I mean, he catches a 50-50 ball every single week. Mm-hmm. Um there was no need to let him go when you did. No need. The wide receiver misevaluations have been there. Um you you need some playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. Like Justin Houston has had a really good season, Joey. You dive deeper into the Justin Houston pass rushing numbers. He hasn't been like a top 15 pass rusher, like a a truly like this dude is disrupting the quarterback a ton game in and game out. Still a nice move, but what I'm saying is you got to go out and find other difference makers on that defensive line because that that group doesn't have enough on the back end. You know, do you have enough defensive playmakers there? I don't see it. It seems like it's, it's Leonard or bust really offensively. We know full well. Where it's at, so you know Ballard. Yeah, if you go four and twelve next year, five and eleven, Ballard and Reich will be on the hot seat. But I'm not going there. That they should be on the hot seat. Is it fair to ask questions? Without a doubt, without a doubt, we we have asked questions on this podcast before. We'll continue to ask questions. I think the roster is in a nice place, and ultimately, he's going to make the most important decision of his tenure for the rest of his tenure and what he decides to do at quarterback come April from Scott wide receivers in this draft are loaded in all caps. Does that next
2: Harrison Wayne Hilton hair air, not hair apparent come from this class and does a quarterback make it in your top two needs to address for the Colts in the upcoming draft?
0: Yeah. Who has that Scott? Scott. Yeah. 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 Um, The wide receiver needs to and the quarterback as well. And that's why I'm kind of like, uh, I've got the I've got both sides of the shoulder talking to me, Joey. I'm like, uh-huh. left side, you have to I should say right side because most quarterbacks are with the right, you know, right arms. They has to come in this draft. You've got to find the franchise quarterback. Then the left side says, don't mortgage the draft too much. What about receiver? What about left tackle? What about pass rush? What about corn? Like, there's all these other needs as well. So you also need to find like. You need to find the Shaq Barrett in free agency. You know, here's the one year deal that he leads the league in sacks. Like, you got to hit a home run in the draft versus a home run in free agency are two different. Mm -hmm. You've got to find the home run of the mid 25 ish year old that comes in here and is a key component for you for the next three or four years. You got to find that in free agency. Like Funches, but Funches age production of you know whoever from zach
2: says there's always been two ways of how to build a team either ultra aggressive and free agency or the old school built through the draft however teams like the ravens patriots seahawks and steelers have found a way to do both does ballard need to consider it
0: yeah oh yeah yeah and i i think ballard know. i think ballard knows that. i know his actions haven't spoken to it as much but um i think he feels better about the depth of his roster and it's less like kind of like patchwork needs and more so of like, all right, let's get some upper echelon guys in here. You know, who 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 scares you on the Colts? Offensively. Like Quentin no. Nelson when he gets hit with a punt and warm ups? <laughs> Next one. I mean, Hilton is what, thirty years old? You know, it's it's like sure. you gotta start finding a few more playmakers. So yeah, I And you also gotta think about it too, Joey. Well, I guess you could be in it for the next four or five years. You still aren't going to be paying a quarterback major money, right? And you've seen Kansas City, you've seen Baltimore. Obviously, the Rams cash in on that as well. You got to be able to do that here in this window. Uh, from Dalton, do you see the franchise maybe moving away from the Tampa too? No, I don't. I don't. Bal um, Ballard's a big four three defense guy. You know, he pretty much hired Eberflus. You know, when you think about it like that. Um, you know, Reich was in the Tampa two, you know, family when he was with the Colts originally. So, um, as much as fans probably wanted to change, I don't see it changing.
2: From Derek. I'd like to know how someone like Adam Schefter gets scoops like Vinny and Andrew Luck before the beat reporters that turn up day in and day out. Genuine question seems to happen right across the league.
0: Yeah, it's a very fair question. Um, Adam Vinatieri is represented by a high level agent that high level agent represents great players on numerous teams around the league. So Schefter knows a little bit of something about all 32 teams. That's why you give Schefter the information because ultimately you're going to need Schefter to do you a solid when, you know, player A for the Steelers represented by the same agent has a little bit of a sticky situation or that agent represents coaches around the league. And you want Schefter to prop up his candidate to be a, Mm -hmm. you know, a hot name in the, in the coaching ranks. So, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to that person has a more veteran or a more national voice. Um, and that's why Schefter, Rappaport, and like, I don't really know how many people locally seek out that information. I, I am not a big seeker outer of breaking news because I absolutely hate the fact that, like, if I get that Adam Vinatieri news, that means that that agent now expects me to give him a solid about. Another of his clients somewhere down the road. Yeah, they're just not giving you that to give it to you. Sure, they're giving you that because you need to go give them something later. That's that's a shady business. The I'm old sorry. Quid pro quo. Yeah, God, oh boy. Hopefully, people won't turn off the podcast after that. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a weird business. It's I don't love the whole breaking news aspect of it, but uh, that's what it comes down to. That agent has more to gain by releasing the information to Schefter. Than he does to whatever Joel Erickson or insert your local beat writer here. Who, all right, it's the Colts, you know, like it's a smallish market team. It's yeah. Right. I mean, I think if, I'm sure the same thing happens with the Steelers, right? I mean, don't most of your national? I, yeah, I don't think the yeah. local. Beat. I think it's a Uh,
2: very rarely has there been a a, you know an Ed Bouchette who's right broke something. And and I mean
0: Mike Chappell could not be more. I mean he's been here since the move. Yeah, he's the longest tenured beat writer. Him and I have had this conversation numerous times. He has great sources, the highest level sources within the Colts, but the Colts aren't releasing this information. It's Adam Vinatieri's agent releasing this information to them. So Mm -hmm. almost always. This news is being broken by the agents versus the team. The team wants it to stay in-house. They'll release it when they want to to release it, whereas the agents are like, oh, we already know that this news is coming. Here, let's give it to our big wigs, and they'll pay us back later.
2: Uh, From Keese, was this a Super Bowl contending team with Andrew Luck?
0: Um, I think it's close, Joey. Close. Again, you tell me Andrew Luck plays behind that offensive line for 13 games. I think the Colts are at least lead in the AFC South. Yeah. Yeah. And Baltimore's really good. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know if Super Bowl contending, but having home games in the playoff, home game in the playoff... Yes, and with the potential to do some damage. From Dom, when does Frank's seat get warm? nah no, it's not happening anytime soon. You know, five and eleven next year, something like that. Um and, and a lot of factors would obviously have to have to play into that. You know, it's weird. The Colts, the Ballard Reich tandem, they're gonna have a pretty long leash. Because For one, I do think they're good at their jobs. Two, they're now into it, and the Andrew Luck thing is now, like, reset, I think, a little bit of everything. And if now they go draft a rookie quarterback, you're not going to fire them a year or two into the rookie quarterback's career, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I mean, you'd have to totally, totally blank the bed for that to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be... I think Chris Bauard and Frank Reich are going to be doing this well into the 2020s.
2: From at part-time Abe, has Pascal been the most reliable Colt this season? Others have played well but have been injured, Leonard, Doyle, and most seem below where they've been in previous years, T.Y., Vinny, E. Brown, etc.
0: Dude, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this exact. yeah, <laughs> I think it's a really good, really fair statement i'm gonna write about zach paschal at some point here in the final few weeks of the season he's probably been your most consistent football player this year which is just incredible to say and and great for zach paschal from
2: tyler name your top three quarterbacks either coming out of the 2020 draft or on a current active roster that you could see in indy next year
0: well i love burrow uh, and i'll dive deeper into the quarterbacks a little bit later um i i do like jordan love uh, obviously not on the same level as burrow I think there are there are some traits there you can't teach there are certainly some questions that you have to answer with love and you are gonna be projecting him a little bit into a very foreign situation um, but just the raw athletic ability I still am am a fan of and then um and then you also have uh who else do I like? That's really it, I think, from the college. I don't know if I'm sold on Hurts. Need to look more at Herbert. Um, same thing with, with Eason or or From as well. Oh, I forgot
2: about Jalen Hurts.
0: Yeah, you know, I had a buddy text me over the weekend, like, you think Hurts is Russell Wilson? Which, again, is incredibly high praise, but, you know, smallish quarterback that can kind of be a dual threat and has played at a couple colleges and is probably going to fall in the third-ish round area, second-round area. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Burrow for sure, like like, Love a little bit. I'm more inclined to, like, draft the quarterback with traits and think that the staff can develop. I know some people might say, well, Jacoby wasn't really developed, and you know, Jacoby was also a third-round pick. You know, maybe if you find traits that are a little bit more in the first or second-round area, yeah. could you tap into more of that? Uh, from Aaron,
2: people wanted to blame Pagano for the fourth-quarter failures of 2017. He deserves a lot of it, however, it appears – Brissett is the one who doesn't have what it takes in the fourth quarter, which is why the Colts have lost so many leads. Why do you feel
0: Brissett doesn't have the killer instinct? Yeah, it's just not part of his DNA. Just not. It just I just don't think he's that consistent of a thrower. That when things get off script in the fourth quarter, Joey, he's able to consistently make those plays. Um. You know, it seems like his best plays. Come of just kind of off broken plays almost, mm-hmm. and you know in the fourth quarter when things get simple, and you know what opposing defense is gonna do, and the offense you know goes to kind of go to plays, Jacoby just just hasn't made those. Um, so yeah, that's what I um that's what I point to. I, I know there's not like some like crystal crystal clear answer, but that's what I keep on coming back to.
2: Last one I have here, Kevin, it's from Thomas. Are we going to ignore Pierre Desir's struggles? Man dropped an easy
0: pick, and they capitalized on the mistake with a field goal. Yeah, we we, we talked on a similar question earlier. No, I, I don't think you, you are going to ignore the Pierre Seer struggles, and that's where, you know, corner. Corner is going to be a very similar to last draft, Joey. Corner is going to be an interesting one where you peg on those needs. If you look at, like, contract security and deals you have, it shouldn't be very high, mm-hmm. but... You know, if you look at performance and do you have a number one guy, outside number one guy, because Kenny Moore is a definite number one slot, the answer is probably no. So that will be one to definitely um, talk more about here in the offseason. All
2: right, bro. Um, another another tough week with the loss. The Colts have to go. It doesn't get easier. They're playing Monday Night Football. New Orleans coming up this week. What do we got?
0: God, that's going to be a pissed off football team, won't it, be? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, so New was, Orleans New Orleans doesn't lose twice in a row at home, do they?
2: Not historically with Drew Brees.
0: Saw so one more question here. Colts 365, should the Colts turn to Chad Kelly at all here late in the year? They won't. I'm very, I'm very positive of that. It would have to, like, you'd have to get blown out, I think, the next two games for them to turn to Chad Kelly. Um... I don't think they should either. I'm just Chad Kelly's a nice quarterback. I I don't think he's ever going to be a starter in this league. So that's that's kind of my opinion on that. But um, but yeah, we're going to be back on Thursday, uh, previewing the Saints game again. It's a Monday nighter, so next week's first podcast will come at you Tuesday morning. And uh, if there's any topics you guys want to get into here late in the year, um, you know, you know us, we'll be back every every week during the off season. And we're gonna hit on a ton of offseason stuff and previewing what will be a very entertaining, a very pivotal, one of the most important off seasons this franchise has had, really, in years, years. And um, so, if there's anything specific you guys want us to touch on here late in the year, feel free to shoot me a DM or um, just just tweet at me. And uh, basically, we'll go Thursday this week. Come back Tuesday probably do another one late next week and then we'll, we'll kind of juggle a few around the holidays and then get into our every week routine in the off season so appreciate you guys listening to Kevin's Corner he's Joey Molinaro I'm Kevin Bowen everybody have a great week this has been Kevin Bowen thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner if you haven't already subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage